Jesus as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual worship. How many remembers us covering that? We uh, shouldn't live like the devil all during the week and then come on Sunday and raise our hands and lift our voices. You know God doesn't accept that worship, does he? Absolutely not. He does not accept worship from people that live worldly during the week and then come on Sunday and raise their voices and raise their hands and, and all of that. He will not receive that worship. It, it's det- actually, we showed you from the Bible, it's detestable to him. He doesn't look forward to worship services where people, Christians, have lived worldly all during the week. They come on Sunday and lift their hands, lift their voices. God won't receive that. It's detestable to him. What he wants is he wants us to live holy during the week and then come on Sunday and worship him during the week. That's our spiritual worship as we present our bodies daily to him. We come on Sundays raise our voices, our hands, that, 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 that blesses him. It's a sweet-smelling aroma in, in, his, in his nostrils. So we've talked about that. We've said much. We've talked about the number one reason you come to church is to worship God, secondly, to hear his word, and then thirdly, to fellowship with the saints. And We've gone over all of that. Now today, the concluding uh, part of this, going to talk about worshiping God with our finances. Now, if you've attended here any length of time for you know years and years and years, you, you will know that I have said very little about money over the last 24 years. Is that right? I've said very little about it. I've never pressured you one time to give one penny. Have I ever pressured a soul in here? Have I? If, if I have, just stand up and call me a liar. I, I haven't pressured a soul. I've never twisted an arm. I've never promised you anything out beyond the word of God. Say very little bit about money. Uh, I ought to say more about it than what I do. But I don't. Because I don't want to get grouped in with the money bilkers and the hucksters that try to, preachers that try to bilk money out of people. And you know with saying almost nothing about money over the last 24 years, I've taught on it some but very little. You know all the needs are met of the church. Church had been paid off for, for years. All the needs are met on every side. Just remodeled the whole building, paid cash for it. Isn't that wonderful? Didn't didn't have a, a, a remodel fund or anything like that. Isn't that wonderful? We didn't didn't have a bake sale, a, 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 a bingo a fundraiser. Didn't didn't do any of that. Isn't that wonderful? Is that is that wonder? It's wonderful, isn't it? And. Uh, But today we're going to talk about worshiping God with finances. Now listen to this. Of all that can be said on this topic of worshiping God, of all the different things we can say about worshiping God, one thing seems to be clear. Perhaps the major indicator of a true worshiper of God is linked to one's offering of finances. I want that to sink in. Of all that can be said on the topic of worshiping God, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, and we we went over all that, talked about those things. One thing seems to be clear. Perhaps the major indicator of a true worshiper of God is linked to one's offering 
of finances or other material wealth to, to God. Did you get that? Let me say it another way. One way that we can tell if a person is a true worshiper of God is to look at their checkbook and see what they've been giving to the work of God. Or to look at their, however, however now it is that people give. You know, look at, look at, look at how much money, that, and how much, you got to watch the how much. We'll talk about that in a moment. You get what I'm saying? If you want to find out if somebody really loves God and is a worshiper of God, look at the financial gifts that they've given to him. Is that a good way to say it? I shouldn't have said how much, but how much really is important. We'll say it here, talk about it here in just a moment. Now, look at Matthew 2.11. We noted this last week about the wise men, but just want to point this out to you again. Notice how many remembers at Christmas time, we talk about these wise men, the Magi, they came to worship the Lord. And we talked last week about them as it pertained to what the benefit of the benefit was of them uh, worshiping. Remember, they were warned in a dream, and and it saved their lives. But but today, let's just look at this here real quick. And when they'd come, Matthew two eleven, when they'd come into the house, these are the wise men. They saw the young child with Mary his mother, and notice they fell down and worshipped him. You see that? Now, does it say they got up and went back and left? Did it say that? No. They fell down and worshipped. How many of you know falling down and coming down on your knees or however you do it, that's, that's part of it. Is that correct? But notice they did something else. They opened their, they opened their what? Their treasures and presented gifts to him, to the Lord Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they didn't just worship by falling down. They also opened their what? Their treasures and presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, the giving of finances, material wealth, is a vital part of worshiping the Lord. Absolutely. Now notice in Philippians, the fourth chapter, notice this, Philippians, the fourth chapter, we'll see something that, that, that we need to look at here just to, to prove to you that financial offerings are seen by God as worship. Notice in Philippians 4.15, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi and he says, now you Philippians know, Philippians 4.15, also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. Interesting, there's only the one church. You would have thought that many of the churches would have helped, but just one. And you'll find that most Christians do not tithe. Most Christians don't give much of their finances. Just a very small percentage of Christians do. We're thankful for the ones that do. But Paul said, no church, just this one concerning giving and receiving. But you only, for even in Thessalonica, you sent 
aid once and again for my necessities. And then he said, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Now, you do need to know this, and I'll say it again as we get to the end of this message. There is a truth in giving to the Lord and receiving. Giving and receiving. Sowing and reaping. I'm talking money here today. You just have to be very watchful because there are a lot of ministers with ill motives that will twist the scriptures and try to get you, you know, they'll say, if you'll give in to this offering, then, you know, multiplied untold amounts of money is going to come your way. You got to be careful of those kind of preachers. But just because there's hucksters out there, you know what, what I mean when I say a huckster? Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to, they're, they're thieves is what they are. And they stand behind pulpits and they'll twist the scripture. Just because there are those out there, that doesn't negate the truth that the Bible teaches that if you'll give finances to God, he will bless you back financially. There is a truth, great truth in that. Okay? We'll say more about that as we go. But in verse 17, he said, not that I seek a gift, but I seek fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, now notice verse 18, indeed I, I have, indeed I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Now notice here, to God, now Paul received the, Paul received the goods for his sustenance. But notice these, the, the, the Philippians gave to the man of God so that he could do the work of God, not so that he could go on big lavish vacations, but so that he could do the work of God. And notice in verse 18, the Philippians gave the goods to the man of God doing the work of God, but notice what it was to God. It was a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Do you see that? So when you give your finances to the work of God, yes, it's given to a church or to a ministry or however the Lord directs you to give. But to God... It's a sweet-smelling aroma. If it's done right, with a right and a pure heart, it's a sweet-smelling aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then notice verse 19. He says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you see, the Philippians gave and then they received. And God supplied all their need. You'd be surprised how many Christians want to claim that verse, verse 19. They'll go around and say, my God shall supply all of my need. If you're not supporting the work of God, you can't claim that verse for yourself. You need to understand that. That verse is not for you unless you are supporting the work of God. And I don't mean just tipping. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you're just tipping God... That verse isn't for you. 
You've got to be somebody that, with a good and a right heart, gives to the work of God. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? God is not, he has no obligation to meet the needs of people that tip him. You make $50,000 a year in the offer or $100,000 a year, whatever it is, the offering bucket goes by and you throw in, you know, 20, 30 bucks and you're making $100,000 a year, you're tipping God. That's an insult to him. It really is. Did you hear me? And he has no obligation to supply your need. There is no question that a true worshiper of God, there is no question that a true worshiper of God is one who does so from the heart. Would you agree with me on that? But with that said, look at Matthew 6.21. There is no question that a true worshiper of God is one who does so from the heart. However, with that said, Jesus said this, He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Just so you know, I need to say this right here based on that last comment I made. I was sitting in a church many years ago. I just got hired as a teacher. I was making a decent salary, salary for a teacher back at that time. I was sitting in a church and week in, week out, week in, week out, the offering bucket would come by and I'd just throw in a tip. I wasn't even close to putting in 10%. I was basically, I wasn't even putting in close to 1%. And I did that for quite some time and the offering bucket came by me. It's back, I was in my early 20s. And uh, the offering bucket came by, threw in my tip as the offering bucket left me, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and it was so, it was right on the inside, but so strong, I had to look behind me. To, and he, call, you know what the Lord called me? He called me a freeloader. A freeloader. What? And he got it through to me that, you know, I'm sitting there taking up the, the nice lighting and the air conditioning and all of that, you know, or the heating or whatever, whatever time of year it was. You know, it takes money to run a church. Did you know that? Sure it does. And I wasn't doing my part. And the Lord called me a freeloader. Can you imagine that? Well, if the shoe fits, what? I didn't like that very much, but I started tithing right after that and have tithed up to the present hour. All the needs met on every side. Isn't that wonderful? So where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. Your heart follows your money. Don't ever forget that. Your heart follows your money. We can tell right where your heart is by looking where you're putting your money. Is that right? Absolutely. If we want to find out where your heart is, all we need to do, or my heart, all we need to do is look at where we're putting our money. And we'll know exactly It's the best indicator of all. Wherever you're putting your money, that's where your heart is. No question. He said where your treasure is. That's the word of the Lord. Jesus. 
there your heart will be also. Now listen to this. I have some things to say here. Listen to this. Worshiping God with an offering is really a matter of the heart. If God has your finances, he has your heart. Many might say, no, listen to this. Many might say, I worship God by raising my hands. I worship God by volunteering in the church. I worship God with the fruit of my lips. Those are all great and those are all in line with the Bible. However, at the end of the day, one should also put their money where their mouth is. That is the truest test of whether or not you're a worshiper of God. I'm going to say that again. Many might say, I worship God by raising my hands. I worship God by volunteering in the church. I worship God with the fruit of my lips. Those are all great. Those are all right in line with the word of God. However, at the end of the day, one should also put their money where their mouth is. Have you ever heard that? Put your money where your mouth is. That is the truest test of whether or not you are a worshiper of God. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now notice in Genesis, the fourth chapter, Now, you need to remember, I'm not not teaching this this morning just because I don't have anything else to do. I'd rather be teaching probably something else, but the Holy Ghost has me on this, you know, for for today. So you need to hear it, right? People online need to hear it. Nothing happening by accident. Ever hear of Cain and Abel? So in Genesis 4, verse 3, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. That means Abel gave the first and the best. Notice the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. Of course, the book of Hebrews said that Abel offered his in faith. Do you understand it takes faith to give God your first and your best? Yes or no? Absolutely. It doesn't take any faith to tip God. It doesn't take any faith at all to just, you know, tip him. Absolutely not. It takes faith to give God your first and your best. And that's why Hebrews said that, 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 he, it said that Abel offered his by faith because he had took no faith to do what Cain did. Cain just brought him some junk. You know, a lot of people bring God junk. Did you know that? So did you know that? Cain didn't bring God his first and his best. He did bring him an offering though. You got to remember just because you bring a God, just because you bring God an offering doesn't mean that God receives that offering. See, this is all about the heart. How many of you know God don't need your money? 
He's got streets of gold up there. Is that right? This is all about your heart. It's all about your heart. Putting your money where your mouth is. Your heart. It's all about the heart. God wants your heart. How do we know if he has your heart? Does he have your money? Because I know this, you start to get fooling with people's money and I tell you what, they'll, they'll, get, they'll, get, they'll get cantankerous real quick, won't they? Notice how they worshiped Cain and Abel. They didn't just come and raise their voice to God, did they? Huh? They didn't just come and fall down before him, did they? They brought... What? An offering. Is that correct? Worship to God, bringing an offering, material wealth. And Cain Cain brought something that didn't cost him anything. It took no faith, just... But Abel offered the first and the best. And God respected it and received it. Notice Genesis 22. See, worship is a whole lot more than just the fruit of our lips or raising our hands or falling down on our knees. There's another side of it too. Money, 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 money. The reason I said what I did earlier about, did I say that I teach on offerings and money a lot or a little? A lot or a little. The reason I said that is is because, see, I'm not after your money. God has supernaturally sustained, sustained this place for 24 years. He's used people all right. But whether you give or you don't, God, how many of you know he can bring it in with the ravens if he has to? Is that right? Now, we're very respectful. Did you notice that we've had some people over the many years have given large offerings into this ministry? And you know what? I, I, I don't ever say a word. I don't call them on the phone and thank them. I don't, I don't do it. You know why I don't do it? The reason I don't do now, am I appreciative? Absolutely, but I don't bring, have I ever talked to anybody in here about uh, an offering you've given? Have I? Have I ever come and said, I appreciate, now I do appreciate, but now I try my best not to pay any attention to it, but you know, large offering comes in, just being honest with you. Wow. The reason I don't come and, Personally, do you, you you don't want me doing that. You know why you don't want me doing that? Because you don't want that to be your reward. Did you hear me? You don't want my thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't want me patting you on the back to be your reward. You want, you come up for the judgment seat of Christ. You want Jesus handing you a crown. Is that right? Yes or no? I hope you respect and appreciate that. Now, God uses people and we're grateful for anything anybody gives. Certainly, certainly. Don't misunderstand me now. We appreciate it. And I hope you appreciate my position on this that I'm not trying to twist money out of you and 
I hope you appreciate the way I handle these things. Now, Abraham, real quickly, Genesis 22, verse 1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. It's really a test. Can you, can you turn it loose? Can you turn it loose? Can you turn it loose? Now, let's see here. I've got a one offering bucket. I, I can turn that loose. Let's see. I got a 10. I can turn that loose. Now, a 20. Now, that starts sticking to my fingers a little bit. But no, I'm, I'm, te- I'm teasing. But, you know, a preacher ought to go around and have money in his pocket. Is that right? Preachers shouldn't be broke, busted, and disgusted, should they? Huh? Diane and Maya's tithes through a certain inheritance that we received helped pay off this building. Isn't that wonderful? Tens of thousands of dollars. Isn't that wonderful? And it was a joy to give it. It was a joy. But sometimes people get, the, get up in them 50s and 100s, it's hard to turn it loose. But it's a test. Say it's a test. It's a test. Did you know God, and we'll give you a scripture in a minute. Did you know somebody's looking at them offering buckets? Every Sunday morning, somebody's looking. Now, I'm not talking about the offering counters. Now, they have to count it. We IRS have to do that. But guess who's looking at them offering buckets? Jesus looking at them. I'll give you a scripture here in just a minute. You, am I stepping on your toe? You okay? You enjoying this? You good? So now Abraham got tested by God. Now it came to pass, Genesis 22, 1, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him, offer <laughs> Offer him there as a burnt offering. Did, did that hit you? You're not asleep out there, are you? What did he just tell Abraham to do? Go offer his only son as a what? <laughs> now, you know, I have learned this over the many years. There is one thing that people love more than money, and it's their children for the most part. Yes or no? I mean, I'd venture to say most anybody in here, anybody that I've ever dealt with, if you had a million dollars and your child was kidnapped, you'd exchange that million for your child in an instant. No questions asked. Is that right? So now this is really a test, isn't it? And I don't blame you. I would too. I'd exchange it for absolutely. Child is more important. Not even close. So this is really a test, isn't it? Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, his servants, you know, and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad, Isaac, and I will go yonder and what? And... He's going to offer him now in worship. And we'll come back to you. Now much we could say about it. 
think about what this man was going to do. Can you see why he's called the father of faith? How many of you know it took faith to do what he was about, what he, what he did? And the Bible said he'd received his son alive from the dead already in a, in a vision. So, I mean, you know, it took much faith for him to offer this offering. Wouldn't you agree? And he, and he laid him down on the altar and all of that. He raised the knife. How many know he raised the knife? He was ready to go through with it, but God doesn't. The only human sacrifice God ever required is Jesus. But he did this to test him and Abraham passed the test. And because Abraham was willing to give his son, now God is going to give his son, son some 2,000, 4,000 years later, whatever, 2,000 years later, I guess it was, on that same, almost that same exact place. But much we could say about that. But he passed the test, didn't he? Do you see that this was a worship to God, wasn't it? You see how these people that really love God are willing to give their best, aren't they? Now look at this. Look at 1 Chronicles 29. How many's ever heard of King David? I think you'll find this interesting. How many's ever heard of King David? Remember there was one point where David said, I will not worship God with that which has cost me nothing. How many of you remember him saying that? I will not worship God with that which has cost me nothing. Notice here, this is another point where they were getting ready to, you know, Solomon was going to build that temple for God, the house of God. Now, he, God didn't use David to do it, but David contributed to it. And in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 1, we're going to read some verses here in the New Living Translation. And when we get done, you tell me whether or not David was a true worshiper of God. Now, now he, we know he wrote them psalms, didn't he? And we know he sang and a lot, a lot of things he did that worship God, played on the harp, all of that, very good. But David had something else to, that we need to realize in his worship to God. And you watch this. First Chronicles 29, verse 1. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. The temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx and other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. How many of you know the house of God ought to be well furnished? Is that right? Ought to look good. And now, watch this, verse 3. And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. So not only did he give from the treasury of the, of the, of the kingship, but now he says, because of my devotion, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. Wow. And I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons 
of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Now you, well, let's go on here. Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave. How do they give? Boy, that's so important. David didn't twist their arms. He asked him, do you want to follow my example? We trust that Diane and I have been a good example to you in giving. And then they gave will, willingly. Nobody was twisting their arms. Oh, if you'll give in this offering, you know, wonderful things are going to happen. You, know, just, you, want to, you love the Lord, you want to give or not. They all gave willingly. For the construction of the temple of God... They gave, and look at that, 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 175 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of tons, isn't it? That's a lot of money. How many of you know that? And they contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord. Donna, how would you like counting that up? She's volunteered to count the money. You couldn't have a more honest person counting the money, her and the people that help her over the years, the offerings here. They all contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jail Hill, the ascendant of so, so and so forth. That's a lot of money, isn't it? If you look at what David gave himself, it was, it was tens of millions of dollars. Ten, I mean, tens of tens of millions of probably some some say even as much as a billion dollars he gave, maybe more. Think about that. Did he put his money where his mouth was? So did David just play the harp to God? Is that all he did in worship, or did he put his money where his harp playing was? He did, didn't he? Did he sing to the Lord? Sure he did. It's all good. But he also put his money where his mouth was. The, and look at verse 9. The people rejoiced over the offerings. Did you know giving to God should be a joyful thing? It should be joyful. If it's not joyful, there's something bad going on somewhere. It should be willingly. It should be joyful. It should be a happy thing. Not a, not a drudgery thing. The people rejoiced over the offerings. For they had given, how did they give? Freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with, oh my God, why did I give all that money? Is that what he was filled with? He was filled with what? Joy. I heard a minister one time say, many years ago, he said that the Lord directed him to give like $10,000. And he said he gave the 10000 And then when he got back to his hotel room that night, he was just sick, just sick. Oh, why did I give all that? Oh, you know, there's something wrong there. Because if God directed you to give it, you should purpose in your heart before you give it. And when you get back to your hotel room, you ought to be rejoicing full of joy. Is that right? Yes or no? Oh, I wish I could get back there and get it back. No, no, no. You should have given it in the first place. Is that right? If it's done in line with the word of God, it'll be freely wholeheartedly, willingly, and there'll be joy about it. 
Now I'm almost finished, but let's go real quick to Malachi 1. Let's, let's, let's get this in. You love the word of God, don't you? Let's go real quick here. Malachi 1 verse 6, New Living Translation. Now you compare these people that gave an offering to the Lord to David, okay? Malachi 1 verse 6, New Living Translation. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father and his servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have sown contempt, you have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Yes or no? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all, asks the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from, a, from morning till night. In other words, God says the people out there in the world honor me more than his people did. Think about that, bringing sick animals to the Lord, offering them. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one. Wait a minute. Cursed is, we need to read that again. Cursed is the who? The cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock. Oh, you know, we don't do pledges around here. If I ever done a pledge around here, give, make a pledge. Those are worthless. You don't do that. Worthless. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one. See, they pledged. Let's make a pledge. Make a pledge. That's a waste of time. Make a pledge. Pledge to the building fund. No, you know what I say? Secretly write a check to the building fund or whatever fund it is and put it in where nobody knows but you and God. Is that right? Pledges are just worthless. Cursed is a cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. Glory to God. Think about that. So would you rather be in David's camp or these people's camp? David. Did David love the Lord? Absolutely. He put his money where his mouth is. Did these people love the Lord? I don't think so. Now, don't let David's wealth discourage you and cause you to say, I could never worship God like David, giving the amounts he did. Look at Mark 12 real quick, verse 41. 
Mark 12, verse 41. Now Jesus, now watch this. Let's see who's looking at the offering buckets. Mark 12, 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and, and saw. Who's looking at the offering buckets? He sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Now you do need to know this and I do need to say this to you. There are some people in, in, I'm not talking about in this church, I'm just talking about in church general throughout the land. You need to realize this. There are some people that put in a lot of money into churches. Did you hear me? And their hearts aren't right. Did you hear me? They'll put, they're rich. They put a lot of money in. Their hearts aren't right. And do you know why they put in lots of money in almost all cases? For show, but it's all about C-O-N-T-R-O-L. What did I just spell? They want to control that church and control the pastor, control the pulpit. Pastor starts taking the word and stepping on their toes. They'll tell him, uh, you stop preaching that. And if you don't, we're going to pull back the checkbook from you. Come on now. It's the truth. I had a person when we were in the school up there, we we're building the building. He came up to me and he said, when we get in that new building, he's, you know, he said, give a lot of money to the church. When we get in that new building up there, can you get me a seat on the front row? This is back when we had a lot more people. And I said, I can get you a seat. I can get you a good seat in the restroom. He took his money and left. And the offering just went up. Isn't that wonderful? A man of God should not be able to be bought. <clears throat> so just just because you're putting in lots of money, that it's there's people that do do that. But it's all about the heart. How many of you know if like David, he had a lot of money, he put it in a good and right heart, and he didn't twist anybody's arms. He said, Do you want to follow my example? I can follow somebody like that. But how many of you ever heard of uh, Little House on the Prairie? How many has ever heard of Harriet Olson? Well, she put a lot of money into in that church, I'm sure, but she was all about what? C O N T R O L. So just cause people's putting lots of money doesn't mean their hearts are necessarily right. I needed to say that because there, there is that exception there. But now watch this verse 42. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrant. It was just like us throwing in two pennies. He called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. How can that be? She just put in two pennies. Some of these rich people might have put in ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars Because God doesn't really look at amounts. He looks at percents. Did you hear me? That way everybody can be on an even, even scale. So if you have a person has $10,000, they put in a hundred. It's the same as a person with a dollar that puts in a dime. Is that right? Yes or no? You need to understand that. So just because somebody puts in, what if somebody put in a thousand dollars, but they had 
ten, they received $10 million and they put in 1000 Have they honored God? Yes or no? Absolutely not. They've tipped them and it's an insult to the Lord. But if somebody received a dollar and they put in 10 cents, that's an honor, God would be honored with that. Are you following the math there? Because you see, if you, don't, if you don't understand that, you think, well, I've got to have a lot of money to worship God. No. God looks at percents. I'll close with that here in just a moment. For they all out of their abundance put in what they had, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. She gave 100%, didn't she? She gave it all. And it's all about the heart here. Those rich people were putting in, but their hearts, God's looking at the heart. There's no doubt in my heart and mine that this widow's heart was good and right before the Lord. Are you okay with that? That a person that has a hundred that puts in $10 has done just as much as a person that has a million that puts in a hundred thousand. Do you realize they're the same, right? Because they both give in to 10%. All right, real quick, Malachi three. We'll close here. Let's hold on with me just a few more minutes. That candy's still out there. Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? You've robbed me. You say, how have we robbed you in what? Tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. You've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes. And by the way, tithing was, you see tithing in the Garden of Eden. You see tithing before the law of Moses. You see tithing in the law of Moses. You see tithing in Jesus' ministry. Jesus told other people to tithe. If he didn't tithe, then he'd have been a hypocrite. We know Jesus isn't a hypocrite. Jesus said there were weightier matters than tithing, like love and mercy and grace and so forth. And we're going to close and we're going to see that tithing's in the New Testament. I'm almost done, but just listen. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Where should I be giving my money? The place that you're being fed spiritually. Now, is there anything wrong with giving and, t- and, and giving money outside to other ministries? Nothing wrong with that at all. But I personally believe the tithe should come to the local church where you're being fed on a regular basis. That's what what I believe the Bible teaches. I'm not trying to get your money, but I believe the tithe comes to the local church, the storehouse where you're being fed on a regular basis. Now, if you want to give out beyond that, that's your business. That's what I believe. Now, why do you bring the tithe so that there's food in my house? The Lord says, try me or prove me in this, says the Lord host. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. That word blessing in the Greek, it means a good word. You see, we often think that if we, if we tithe that, you know, money's going to start coming in the mail. And that's not necessarily true at all. Uh, but do you realize that uh, this word blessing means good word? How many of you would agree with me that getting a good word from God is a blessing? Now, I'm convinced when you tithe and you do that, uh, 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 God's going to get some good words through to you. He'll bring some blessings to you. I, I, I don't necessarily think that God is going to go out of his way to zap you if you don't tithe and give. But I tell you what, I can tell you this on the authority of God's word. If you don't tithe and give, God will not get involved with your finances. And I don't know about you, but I want God involved with my finances. Somebody said, I can't 
afford to tithe. No, you can't afford not to tithe. Let me tell you this much. The tithe is marked as a blessing or a curse. If you don't give it to God, the devil's going to get it some other way. I'd rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed 100. There's some profound wealth in those statements I just said. Now notice 2 Corinthians, we could go on and on. What's the bare minimum that I think that we ought to give 10%? 10% of our increase. Yeah, but that was under the law, pastor. Would God expect you to do less under grace than what was done under the law? 2 Corinthians 2.17 Now, it is a shame, now we're closing with this. It is a shame many preachers with ill motives have twisted such holy thing. Listen to this. It is a shame that so many preachers with ill motives have twisted such a holy thing as worshiping God with finances into a give to get, a give to get money making scheme. Did you hear it? Now listen, hang, I know I've gone a little long, but hang on this. It's a shame that many preachers with ill motive have twisted such a holy thing as worshiping God with finances into a give-to-get-money-making scheme. Would you agree with me on that? Be watchful of preachers on television that say, oh, it's, it's, it's Rosh Hashanah. If you'll give money here, it's Yom Kippur, or it's this Jewish day or that Jewish day. Get, stay away from those ministers. There's only one thing they want. They want your money. Be watchful of those people. Be watchful of people that say, if you give before midnight, then the hundredfold offering is going to kick in. That's a bunch of bunk. And by the way, the hundredfold, look, the hundredfold is for people who have left all to serve God. If you haven't left all to serve God, the hundredfold doesn't even apply to you. And the hundredfold is just a colloquial expression. It, it, what it means is many times more. Say many times more. But they'll use the hundredfold that you put in a dollar, you get a hundred coming back and it's a money-making scheme. And while I'm on it, I'll just say this too. Bless God, be watchful of people and preach. The Holy Ghost, get my tongue, but I'm gonna, is it okay if I just say what he wants me to say? Be watchful of ministers that are talking about their means of travel, how they travel. Be watchful of ministers who are talking about their jets. Now, I'm not against a minister having a jet. What I'm against is there's no reason to be up talking about it. If you can afford a $65 million jet, fine. No reason to stand in the pulpit and talk about it. I don't care how you get from point A to point B. I don't care if you have a $65 billion jet or if you fly on Southwest. That's your business. A man of God has no business standing in the pulpit talking to the people about how they travel. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? You need to avoid those people. The motives are wrong. Yeah, but they make me laugh. I don't care. They make me feel good. I don't care. The motive's wrong. Absolutely. Joyce Meyer, she's got a nice jet. I've never heard her stand up and talk about her means of travel. You know why? Because her motive's right. It makes no... I don't care how... Boy, the Holy Ghost is on me. I get so angry i'm not again look i got a nice house not too far from here but your tithe money didn't put it there i drive a nice car your tithe money didn't put it i hope you you respect that my family my grandpa and great grandpa they bought that land back years ago and when it was worthless and all these a hundred years later it was worth a gold mine and i was the beneficiary of it one of them 
and I live nice now because of God blessed me that way, not through your tithe money. Can you say amen? Now, I'm not opposed to people being blessed. I'm not, I have nice things, but do, you, do I stand up here and talk about it all the time? No reason to be talking about that. I don't have, if somebody has a jet, fine. There's no reason to stand and talk about it all the time. Ridiculous. Let's preach the gospel and not talk about that foolishness. Can you say amen? amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.70. You see, we're not like the many hucksters. See, Paul had the same thing in his day and he called it out just like I do here from time to time. 2 Corinthians 2.17, you see, we're not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Can you say amen to that? Look at 2 Corinthians 9.6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That's the God's honest truth. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. How should you give as you what? Purpose in your heart. You should purpose in your heart what you're going to give before you ever get to the church. I shouldn't get up here and try to twist your arm to try to get you to give more. Not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. Please put that up, that verse 7, put that up in the Amplified. You need to see that. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowful or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure and prizes above other things. Look, he prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a what? A cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Back to verse 8 now in the New King James. And God's able to make all grace abound to you, that you having all sufficiency in all, in all things... Have an abundance. How many of you know God wants you to have an abundance? He does. And, and there's a truth in giving and receiving. I believe in it. Verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown. See, when you give money, it is like sowing seed. There is a truth in it. And he'll increase the fruits of your righteousness. Last verse. Hebrews 7, 8. I'm not putting you to sleep, am I? Okay. Now, let me show you what happens on a Sunday morning when you come here and you present your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Let's, let me show you what happens in the spirit realm. See, a lot of people don't know this. You come in this church or wherever it is you go to church, you come in there, you bring your tithes and offerings. Now, this is talking about Abraham as he gave tithes and whatnot for the sake of time. I won't go into all that, but verse 8 will show you. You release the tithe and the offering into the bucket. It goes to the work of God naturally here on the earth. Helps pay the light bills, helps pay this, helps pay that, helps put carpet on whatever whatever it is. Goes out to missions, whatever the case. And yes, I do receive a, 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 a I receive a, a salary from this ministry. Don't you think I should? I've been doing this. 24 years. I make $40,000 a year. I could be teaching school and making better than double that. Diane, she could be making more than what she does as a nurse. She could be making four or five times what she makes here. 
But you know what? God, we're, we're in the will of God, and God supplies all our need. All our needs are met. Isn't that wonderful? Does anybody have a trouble with a man doing something 24 years, making $40,000? Now, I normally don't talk like that, but sometimes it's good to know. I'm not making $100,000. that make $40,000. You have trouble with that? Uh, the church provides us with one vehicle. It's that Pathfinder that Diane drives out there. A board member came to us years ago and said, Pastor, we'd like you to have your church provide you a vehicle. I said, no, we're not doing that. One's enough. Hope you respect that. So I bought that car, bought that out of my own salary, own money. You don't have a problem with that, do you? And the, and the Pathfinder she drives is a 2004. How old is it? We drive them till, till they drop. Do you have a problem with that? You shouldn't have a problem with it. Now, am I giving you a sad? Now, I didn't intend to say that, but I just, you need to know some of these things sometimes. How come all your needs are met then, pastor? Because I serve a God who's a big God. And we've been tithing and giving offerings for years, years and years. And every need's met. God's good, isn't he? I normally don't talk like this, but sometimes it's good to hear it. What happens in the spirit realm when you come in here and you release your tithes and offerings? Look at verse 8, Hebrews 7, 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes. So when you drop that money in the bucket as it goes by, Mortal men have received it. But there, say but there. Let's talk it up in heaven where Jesus is. He receives them. That sheds a whole other light on it, doesn't it? When you come and release your money into the offering bucket, He's receiving it up in heaven, in the spirit realm. Don't tip God. Give Him your first and your best. Can you say Amen. Let's live right before God, offering our bodies to Him as a living sacrifice. Let's love Him more than anyone or anything else. Let's offer Him a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Let us bring our tithes and offerings unto Him and worship Him and honor Him, not to get anything out of Him, but because we love Him, because He and He alone is worthy, and the windows of heaven will be open. Blessings will come, all of our needs will be met, and we'll have plenty left over to be a blessing to others. Stand with me if you would. Now, trying to preach less long, but I'm not, they tell me I shouldn't apologize for going a little long. Bow your heads before a holy God. If you need prayer, if you need ministry, there are people up here that pray with you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, do.